Hello, everyone. It is Jaylene, Brooke, Kenzie, and Brian back for another episode of The Aftermath. As we start our fourth and final podcast, let's flash back to some highlights of the previous three. Nostalgia during this time, you know, like certain smells that make me think of this time, or like for me, it was that tequila, cheap, <laughs> gross hand sanitizer made by the breweries and stuff. Exactly. Anytime I smell that, I just get these ah oh, flashbacks to working and like getting chemical burns on my hands and sanitizers. And I wanted to know if you guys had anything like that that like just kind of reminds you of this. At home, you don't get food; we order everything online. And it was more so getting my mom sick. Mm-hmm. Like when I started going to practice, I was scared I was going to get my mom sick because she has so many underlying conditions. I didn't know if she could last through COVID. We beat Washington, which meant that we secured the Pac-12 um, regular season title. So then we were getting ready for senior night. It was super exciting. We even had started decorating the locker room for it. And Tom called us into a meeting and just told us before word gets out, Pac-12 is canceling our seasons. But then, like, moving halfway across the world during a pandemic was very hard just because I never knew when the next time I would be able to see my family was just because of COVID. That part was the hardest. We had, like, a couple weeks, like, even months of not even, like, seeing part of our team. They kind of separated, like, all the freshmen. And, like, obviously we have, like, a huge team. So doing that's, like, pretty hard. But they kept the freshmen, like, pretty segregated those first, like, two months, I'd say. Both became very ill, and Bill had already had upper respiratory problems. So they took him to the ER, and within two days, he was on a ventilator. And within two weeks, he passed away. In the last three episodes, we have discussed our lives and stories from friends and families and the ways we have battled changes and losses we have had as a community. Now for our fourth and final episode, we've decided to take a turn in perspective and show you the ways in which we are fighting back. We are determined to come together and live life to the fullest. We cannot change the outcomes, but hopefully after this episode, we inspire you to not take every day for granted and live life as it is a blessing. Our first story is with Brian and his interview with Hema Hamali Jr. This is a very inspiring story, and I hope you get as much from it as I did. I was able to sit down with Hemahe Muli Jr., a BYU TV producer and COVID-19 survivor. Hema shared his story and the lessons he learned while separated from his family as he battled the coronavirus. And so I had this preconceived notion of like what getting infected with COVID was going to be. I thought it was going to be, oh, I started getting chills and then, oh, I would lose my sense of smell because that's what other people had told me happens. But really what happened was I just rolled into work one day. I sat down at my desk, started working. And then about three hours in, I was like, I just don't feel very good. I don't know what it is, but something feels off inside me, but I feel bad enough that I don't think I should be here. And so I actually just got up and went home. At the same time Hema was leaving work, his pregnant wife was struggling to find somebody to watch their children so that she could go to a checkup. Why was it difficult for somebody to watch the children? Several families that the Hemulis had recently spent time with had tested positive for COVID-19. 
So my wife couldn't find anyone to watch her kids. And then at the same time, I came back home and I was like, I don't feel very good. So my wife got really worried and she's like, let's go get, take a test. And so we went to the local testing center and got our nasal cavities swabbed. And within the hour, I received a positive test and my wife received a negative test. With three young children and a pregnant wife at home, Hema's mind immediately went to protecting his family. Not knowing how COVID could impact his wife's pregnancy, Hamuli locked himself in the basement in an effort to prevent passing the virus to his family. I barricaded myself in the basement and kind of just quarantined myself. I was there for about seven days and I just felt worse and worse and worse. I went through chills, fever, ate a lot of aches throughout the body, headaches. My back, for some reason, was like terribly sore. I just lied in bed for about a week. Hemuli tried to self-medicate with over-the-counter medications and drinking a lot of water, but nothing seemed to work. Then, after more than a week in the basement, Hema woke up one evening and was struggling to breathe properly. And on like the eighth day, I called the doctor because I woke up, I just couldn't breathe very well, to the point where it was like kind of scary. Like I was like, oh, this is not normal. Over the phone, the doctor had Hema test his blood oxygen level. When Hema said the oximeter read 80%, his doctor recommended he go to the emergency room immediately. So packed up my things, put on a bunch of masks, and my wife drove me to the ER, and they admitted me instantly because I was a COVID case. After seven days at home, Hema was admitted to the ER due to his low blood oxygen levels. After two to three days in the emergency room with no improvement, doctors made the decision to transfer Hema to the intensive care unit. That's when the fear started to set in for Hemuli. They put me on oxygen. They monitored me and later the next day, so this is probably like day nine or 10, they're like, oh, you're getting worse. This isn't working. Now you got to go to the ICU. While in the ICU, Emma's thoughts turned to his daughter's birthday party and his own absence. I remember the date because it is the date of my four-year-old's birthday, August 20th. I was in the ICU and I wasn't improving. In fact, they had already gone through. They had taken me off the oxygen in the wall. They had given me a ventilator. Then they gave me like a stronger ventilator that had like a bag of water attached to it because it's so strong and it's blowing so much air into you. Even that ventilator wasn't doing enough for me. All I could think about was we planned this big birthday for her and I was missing it. But my thoughts were with my daughter that day. With his thoughts on his daughter. Emma's doctor and nurse entered the room and explained that not only was he not improving, but his condition was worsening. Well, the doctor comes in and the head nurse, they both tell me, look, you're not improving. In fact, you're getting worse. If you don't improve tonight, we're going to have to intubate you. That's how bad of shape I was in. And so they say, looking at your history, like being Polynesian with family history of you know high blood pressure and all this other stuff, they're like, typically people like you don't survive long after being intubated. You should probably call your wife and tell your wife basically goodbye because once we intubate you, you won't be able to talk. And if you get intubated, the chances are you probably won't make it. With the worst case scenario staring him in the face, Hema FaceTimed his wife to tell her the bad news. I called her and I said, I'm not doing too well. And the whole time she's like, what is, what are you saying? Like, what, do you, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I could be intubated. Well, what does that mean? If I get intubated, there's chances are that I probably won't survive it. Oh, what does that mean? And I'm like, I could, I'll probably die. 
after tonight. He went on to explain things he never imagined he'd have to explain to his wife, like how to collect on his life insurance. The phone call was cut short when doctors entered the room to change his medications. Then they peeled back that curtain in the ICU and just watched me like all night. His head swimming with thoughts, Hema wondered. My oldest, he's six years old, and I thought, you know what, six years isn't long enough. My youngest, she's like, she was 18 months or so at the time, and I'm like, 18 months isn't long enough. I thought about things like, I'm going ha- to be dead and gone, and then my wife will have a baby that will have never met me. Those are just the thoughts I had after that call that night, and I thought about it all night, and I didn't sleep. And the next thing I knew, it was like light outside, and I had been up all night. I really thought I was going to die. You can sit in a hospital room for months and have no idea what all the machines buzzing and whirring and beeping around you are doing, or what the readouts mean. Such was the case for Haymuli, as he had no idea whether his condition had worsened or improved when the doctors came in the following morning. They came in at about nine o'clock and they had the charts and all that stuff. And they said, Mr. Haymuli, you didn't get worse last night. As bad of shape as you're in, you you were pretty stable. That's a good sign. We're going to keep continue doing this series of drugs that they're doing and hope it'll make you better. A couple of days after that long night, Haymuli started to feel like he had a chance to beat this thing. I started feeling a little bit of hope. I started feeling a little bit of maybe I can do this. And so there's this thing that people always say. I always thought it was stupid where people are like, oh, I felt your prayers. Like, oh, I felt your like good energy and stuff like that. I always roll my eyes whenever people say that sort of stuff. But day two, oh, that was real. I really felt, ah, oh, I think I'm turning a corner. Hemuli continued to take his medications and do his breathing exercises, all while receiving messages of encouragement and love from family and friends. He had been in the hospital for over a week at this point, and isolated from his family for more than two weeks. Now, for the first time, he felt hope. That feeling of like being super lonely, mixed with doctors telling you you're not getting better, mixed with you feeling like you're not getting better, I feel like that's why a lot of people die from it. After nearly three weeks away from his family, Emma's doctors felt he was well enough to be released from the hospital and continue his treatment at home. When my wife picked me up, my kids were in the van, and the first thing I did was I kissed all of them. My wife just like hugged me and just like cried for like five minutes. She didn't think she'd see me again. It was a good reunion. Three months after those dark August days, the Haymulis are together again, happy and healthy, expecting the birth of their fourth child in the spring of 2022. I think the real lesson, like I learned, the real takeaway for me is time spent with my family is time well spent. Stresses from work actually don't bother me as much as they did before. This doesn't matter. That's the biggest lesson is I feel like a renewed appreciation for just people around me, life. I realize I'm like nicer. I think I'm a nicer person because of it. I think I'm a more kind and outgoing person. There are things that are more important and my experience definitely focused to me what is more important. So Kenzie, I know you created a closing story to end this episode. Tell me a little bit about what you did. Yeah, so I really just wanted to end it on a positive note. I wanted to remind people that even though times have been really hard lately, that 
that's how we grow. That's how we become better people. And so I was able to just talk to some individuals and just hear, give some advice from them and hear about how they've grown and how they've become better throughout this pandemic. Well, great. Let's hear it. We've all heard the saying, life is what you make it. It may sound cliche, but there's a lot of truth to it. The past year or two has pushed a lot of us to our limits, putting us in difficult situations that we never saw coming. But it's how we handle these situations that makes us grow and become better. I was able to talk to Jenna Lee James, Lacey Morrison, and JC Wilkinson, all at different walks of life, and all have walked out of this pandemic as better people. My name's Jenna Lee James. I am, I think, technically a senior. I'll graduate at the end of next summer. And my major is journalism, and my minor is anthropology. So I just have some questions about kind of getting through COVID and how the last couple years for us have yeah. been crazy. But I just want to know, how have you remained positive during this pandemic? I think it's been, it's definitely been hard. I definitely have realized my mental health has struggled quite a bit because of COVID. But I think that in the winter and the fall and the spring, it's really hard. But in the summer, just being able to go outside has definitely been like my saving grace because yeah. you can't do anything else. But I think that, I don't know, keeping busy is really important for me. And I've worked in jobs where I've, they weren't really affected by COVID. I worked at the front desk of a hotel and in an assisted living center. And so both places they had to keep running even during COVID. So I still had work and focusing on school, obviously, is, whether it's online or in person, is still takes up a big chunk of my life. So just keeping busy, I think, is the biggest thing and just kind of trying to focus on the positives and yeah. What has living through a pandemic taught you? I think it's taught me to not take things for granted. For example, I, all through high school and everything, I was obsessed with going to concerts and things like that. And I went to my first concert since COVID last week. And so I think I definitely took for granted how much I loved doing that and just so many other things even like simple things like being able to go to a restaurant definitely just has taught me to be appreciative of the things that we're able to do on a regular day when COVID's not there um, yeah. changing that for us so yeah that's yeah. amazing what advice would you give to others who are dealing with feelings of isolation fear or unsurety I think just keep your keeping yourself busy and like exploring your hobbies for example, like I have gotten a lot into painting and I learned to play the ukulele during COVID. So I think just being able to explore your hobbies and I think if you just sit there and let yourself kind of f start to think about the negatives, it is going to be really hard to stay positive. But if you just kind of keep yourself busy and almost distract yourself with fun things and exploring hobbies, then it'll be good. My name is Lacey. I'm from Idaho, a small town in Idaho, and I am a wellness specialist. So I do corporate wellness for a company and I help run their gym, um, their restaurant, and we do all sorts of health events for the employees. So with wellness and health, COVID has affected that a lot. How have you been able to kind of remain positive and continue working during the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, I think that for me, the way that I've been able to remain positive is to like just focus on the small things in my life and kind of 
like glamorize my life in the small things. So for example, looking forward to like my morning walk or something as simple as like going and running an errand. Like I have to find the fun in that. And um, I think that's how I've been able to stay positive. And then how have you instructed and helped your employees and the people around you? How have you helped them to remain positive? Yeah, um, I don't know if I have done so much for them as, as our resources at my work have done for them. We have free therapy for our employees. So we've worked with therapists to partner up with them and provide free therapy, which has helped our employees a lot. And we've just focused on programs like mental health and social health and encouraging employees to stay connected with people. I think that's like a huge part of staying positive in the pandemic is staying connected to your friends and your family and not being isolated. What has living through this pandemic taught you? I mean, I think it's taught me a lot of things. Probably the one that stands out in my mind right now is to just enjoy the simple things, kind of like I was saying before, but also to just like slow down. I think it's taught a lot of us to do that, to just kind of slow down and appreciate the beauty in in those kind of things and um, and to not take things for granted. Like I think that it's taught me to be grateful for what I have and to know that life could change at any moment and to just enjoy where I'm at. What advice would you give to others who are dealing with feelings of isolation, fear, or insurity? I think how I touched on before, like staying connected to people, I think is really important. And then apart from that, I would say get outside yourself and like serve. I know when I've felt isolated or like gone through hard things, it helps me to get outside myself and look for ways that I can serve other people. Whether that's like a simple text to someone that you're thinking of or like going out and doing an active service, I think that that can help a lot. My name is JC and I'm from Utah and I am currently a student at BYU. How have you stayed positive during this pandemic? I think just staying close to family members and friends and finding things to continue to do with them and knowing that, you know, I can't really change the circumstances, but I can make the best of the circumstances that I have and just keeping that mindset has really been a help. What has living through a pandemic taught you? Um, I think it's just taught me um, the power of positivity and like definitely things can be hard and have definitely changed during this pandemic, but life can still go on, you know, just changing school from being um, in person to online and still continuing to find success and learning that there are new ways to continue to do things has been really cool. What advice would you give to people who are feeling unsure, who are feeling scared, or who are just going through a hard time? I would tell them to reach out, that they're not alone, and there's a lot of people that feel the same way. And so finding someone you can connect with, whether it's a counselor or a friend or a family member, can really help you and um, help validate the feelings that you have. It's celebrating the little things in life, building a relationship with yourself, and reaching out to others that can get you through hard and unsure times. Whether you're a college student, working professional, or somewhere in between, I hope you've been able to gain from the insights we talked about today. And a big congratulations to you for making it through a global pandemic. But hang on because it might not be over just yet. Wow, I can't believe this was our fourth and final episode. I know. I honestly thought that this was going to be long, and I didn't realize how much I was going to enjoy creating these episodes as much as I did. 
I know I just personally loved just talking and hearing everyone's experience, you know, you know, some people from your family and friends and then same with Brooks and Brian. So it was just such a cool experience to like listen to everyone and get their story on COVID because it impacted us all, that's for sure. I totally agree. I think it has been amazing to see that through the four of us, how many people we've been able to reach and impact just through our interviewing and through our social media posts and just the amount and like the diversity and the like just variety of different lives that we've been able to touch and the stories that we've been able to hear. I've been amazed at how many people we have reached just through the four of us. Yeah, for sure. And just like, we appreciate you guys viewing and listening yes, to our stories. We're so grateful for everyone who's tuned into our episodes. It's me and Jaylene and um, we don't have Brooke and Brian here with us, but I think that they would agree with us about how enjoyable this process has been and how much we have been able to learn. And we just really hope that our listeners have been able to take away something and it can inspire them to kind of live every day to the fullest and to not take things for granted no matter how long this pandemic might last. Yes, I think Kenzie put that perfectly. But we very much appreciate it and it's been very fun. Hopefully we'll see you again soon on The Aftermath.